Welcome to the Texas Conflict Coach radio program. If you've ever experienced or engaged in destructive or unresolved conflict, then you know it leads to broken relationships, distrust, and damaging results. Our program will help you manage and resolve conflict effectively with strategies, valuable resources, and support. Since 2009, our radio program hosted guest experts from around the globe sharing their perspectives, experiences, and expertise while giving you food for thought. If you can't listen live, then download and listen to any of our 300-plus podcasts in our library at texasconflictcoach.com. So sit back, relax, or join the conversation every Tuesday evening or tweet us at TX Conflict Coach. Well, welcome listeners to our conflict chat from friendly to nasty neighbor. I'm your host, Patty Porter, along with special guest host Tracy Colberth King. The last Tuesday of every month, we highlight conflict-related topics found in recent media and television networks. We also would love to hear from you about your situation. So we invite you now to engage. Call us at 347-324-3591 and press the 1 key so we know you want to speak with us. You can also enter the chat room at blogtalkradio.com or tweet us at TXConflictCoach and follow our live Twitter feed using hashtag ConflictChat. So welcome, Tracy. Hi, Patty. I'm excited to be doing this with you this evening. This is a very exciting topic and very relevant for many people, especially for me tonight. Yeah, so why is that relevant for you, Tracy? So I recently did a long-distance move. So I moved from Maryland to Florida, and when I was in Maryland, I stayed in condos, uh, condominiums, and I stayed in apartments. And so in Florida, we're actually in a house now, and uh, so it's kind of a different dynamic each different place that I've lived when it comes to neighbors. Yeah, I think we've all probably experienced whether we live in a house, a condo, an apartment, an RV trailer park, it doesn't matter, you know, where we live. I think we've most, for the most part, have experienced living with either great neighbors or really bad neighbors. And, you know, so what has been your experience moving out of your old neighborhood as you as you made that long-distance travel? Did you have any interesting experiences moving out? from your neighbors? I did. Um, So when I moved out of my community, one of the things that struck me was I was speaking with a neighbor. I was giving her some of the plants that just really wouldn't fit my car. And she shared with me about the anxiety that she feels when people move out because she doesn't know who's going to come in. And so she shared, you know, uh, I have a little dog, I have a miniature pincher, and, and she doesn't bark that much. So she's not a, a yappy dog, but she's like, you always wonder if someone has a dog, does the dog bark a lot? Uh, are they going to be clean? Are they going to be loud? And she said that, you know, she never really heard us. And so that was interesting for me because I never think about it when I move out, how that impacts the people who aren't moving, you know, the ones that are kind of left behind because they own their home or because they just choose to stay there regardless of what the circumstances is they're you know stationary 
So what in her mind made you a good neighbor so that her anxiety goes up, the fact that good neighbor is leaving, what's the next neighbor coming in? What what did you get from her about you being a good neighbor? I think um, one of the things, we just shared things in common. So one of the big commonalities that we had is we both had dogs. So we were able to instantly bond over the fact that we both shared a love for dogs. And then we were also able to kind of bond over the idea that, you know, both of us were transplants. So neither one of us lived in Mar- was, you know, born in Maryland. We lived in Maryland for some time, but neither one of us was born there. And so those were just things that kind of happened over a casual conversation, whether I was passing her while walking the dog or um, she was, you know, leaving when I was coming back or, you know, so just normal things that you kind of, share when you're in close quarters because we were in condos you know so I was able to be pretty close to her when she was coming and going and vice versa so I I think what helped us build the relationship was that we had some things in common so there's that foundation yeah, you know, you mentioned commonalities, and also y'all spent some time really having those conversations if they were in the hallway or the mailbox, getting your mail, or however you shared those conversations, which really build that connection and that mm-hmm. relationship, which is really important uh, if you're going to be, you know, neighborly uh, or even friends. You know, we, we're experiencing the same exact thing. We live in a cul-de-sac, and we've all lived here for a number of years now, um, but the market as such is a seller's market in our area, and so that means people are like, you know what, we're going to take advantage of the seller's market, sell our homes, and upgrade or go to a better house. And so there's a couple mm-hmm. of neighbors who are talking about doing that, we're, and we're, we're starting to get a little anxiety about, wow, we have such a good relationship with them, and we do have common, uh, we all watch our dogs, we watch each other's homes, um, we go to their parties, they come to our parties. I mean, so there's a lot of connection and bonding and conversation and shared shared common values, uh, common things that we discuss, and, and very friendly. And, and yet the unknown is, okay, they're going to move out, but who's going to move in? You know, it's like, are we okay. going to have the same relationship? Are they going to be just as friendly? Will we have the same commonalities? Will they be completely different? Um, you know, so that's... I think that's one number one normal that you're leaving and the the ones that you left behind have some anxieties about that change. But now thinking of you going into your new, now you're moving into a home, is that right? A single standalone family home? Yes. Mm-hmm. We're in a single family home. And so it's different for me because I've lived in apartments and I've lived in condominiums um, for a number of years. And, So I'm trying to figure out what the norm is here when, you know, it's a little bit more individualistic because you're not in such close quarters. And that's kind of how I've been able to judge my neighbors when I've lived in apartments and condos is kind of by what the cultural norms look like. What do the common areas look like? Are the sidewalks swept? Or uh, do you put your trash outside the door? Do you walk it to the dumpster? So things like that I was able to kind of pick up on when I lived in apartments and condos. So for me being in a single family home, it's a little bit different uh, to figure out what the norms are. And um, one of our neighbors I've already had a chance to meet. And then the other neighbor I haven't seen 
anyone over there. Um, so there's a little of that unknown for me is, uh, you know, who's to the left of me because I haven't seen any activity. So I think you pointed out something so important, which is when you're going into a new neighborhood, what is the cultural norms and or the rules, uh, hidden rules, unspoken rules? Uh, and so it's good that you're being so observant uh, of what you're just noticing. And then the second is extending yourself. Um, you know, if they don't extend themselves as being established neighbors, are you extending yourself to kind of do the meet and greet, if you will? So what would be important for you to establish yourself as a good neighbor? You're the new you're the new kid on the block, you're the unknown. So what would you have to do to establish yourself as a good neighbor? I think for me the most important thing is to be approachable, um for people to feel comfortable to kind of come up to me and ask questions, you know, share any concerns, uh and do as you said, look for opportunities to introduce myself. And also be generous. So if I see my neighbor maybe is having a hard time lugging things inside, maybe extending myself an olive branch, uh, but also having that balance of privacy as well because we are in single-family homes, so I don't, you know, want to go over uninvited. So it's kind of a, a balance, but I want people to know that I'm respectful and that I'm open and um, trustworthy and, you know, we're just a normal family um, trying to get settled. Okay, some again, some really great, uh, you know, being approachable, you know, it's not that you're going to try to get into everybody's uh, lifestyles or, you know, uh, it's one thing to meet and greet, extend yourself uh, and be approachable, but it's that balance of being also respectful of privacy and, and building that trust and building those relationships and showing that you can be trustworthy uh, and valuing privacy. Um, you know, and it's interesting because – People all have different definitions of what a good neighbor is. I mean, you think about people who are like they're neighborly. Well, what does that mean that they're neighborly? Well, they're they're friendly. Um, they're respectful of each other's properties, you know, and that could be everything from don't let your dog poop in my yard to don't drive over my grass to, um, you know, uh, say hello when, you know, acknowledge if, if someone is greeting you. So there's there's neighborly things, and then there's things that, uh, you know, uh, or you have a simple request and so you're not greeted or reacted to in a negative way, but you're being neighborly. Now, whether you go to the next level of friendship, which depending on your you know situation, some people want that type of relationship. They want to develop a, a friendship, a neighborly friendship, if you will. Now, we all have different definitions of that. How uh, would you define a, a bad neighbor? And uh, as you're thinking about that, uh, one of the things that I was looking at, because, you know, conflict, our conflict chat shows are about, you know, kind of ripped from the headlines. What's the news out there that we're seeing on some of these topics? And the one that was just posted recently was just a very simple example of a – they proclaimed uh, this individual as an older man who uh, – they proclaimed as being a bad neighbor who unplugged the uh, I guess it was one of those bouncy uh, huts that the little kids play in and it's blown up with air and uh, silently the this older man came over unplugged 
the bouncy house, you know, because it's electric and it's blowing air to keep it going. And all these kids were in there and it just collapsed, you know, on the kids. And no one was injured or anything, but they were like, and they had it on video and they were trying to find out who's this older man and why would he do this? And he, you know, you know, kind of walked away. So he didn't belong there. Um, but this was like a very, you know, uh, disrespectful, unneighborly thing. And thankfully no one got hurt. But, um, I mean, how would you define a bad neighbor? For me, a bad neighbor is, is a neighbor that doesn't have boundaries. So for that story, for me, it screams, wow, there are no boundaries there. You just um, ha- came over and unplugged a bouncy house. So there's also no communication either. Uh, and so for me, having a bad neighbor is someone who doesn't communicate with me if they're upset that my dog is barking or uh, that my party is too loud or and things like that. And someone who also doesn't have boundaries So maybe they um, act out on their frustrations like that man did by unplugging the bouncy house. Maybe he could have had a conversation about maybe the children being too loud. Uh, And so I think the biggest pieces for me is just lack of communication and then lack of boundaries. You know, uh, when I posted that same question on in Twitter and the social media networks, you know, how would you define a bad neighbor? Someone said exactly that. They said, quote, one that crosses the boundaries of others literally and figuratively. So that would uh-huh. be a literal, right? The old man comes over. He decided, you know, maybe they're making too much noise and I don't like it. So I'm just going to uh, go on their property and I'm going to unplug the bouncy house from the side of the house. Uh, but instead of, you know, voicing his complaint uh, or, you know, he crossed the boundary by potentially causing harm, and, of course, the police got involved. So one that crosses boundaries, but I'm wondering, you know, what, what, how do you take when someone says crosses boundaries figuratively? Um, I think so one of the situations that is alive for me right now is one of my friends just moved into a home and they have flowers that are kind of bordering their property line. And so the neighbor came over and said, you know, I would like to cut down some of your flowers because they are on my, they're going over onto my property line. And so the neighbor said, okay, great. Thanks for letting me know. Um, And then little does she know, she comes back out and the lady has, not only cut the flowers in her her yard, but now has cut the flowers going into the neighbor's yard. So she was upset because she thought, you know, I gave her permission to cut the flowers going into her property line, but not to come into my property line. So now um, there's that issue of her boundaries. It wasn't, and one of the things that I, you know, talked to her about is, you know, did you discuss? how she was going to cut the flowers. And she goes, well, I just thought it was common sense that once the flowers were off of her property line that she wouldn't come into mine. So that kind of speaks to me for one of those boundaries that you don't really verbalize, but it's there. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, okay, let's, you know, sometimes we make too many assumptions about what some of these things mean, right? And so it could Uh have been that, so so like, let's do it together, you know, and that way there's no additional, you know, complaint about that. Now, another example of a boundary that might be a figurative. Now, this is really based on people's perception um, and, 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 
Y'all, listeners, you probably heard of similar stories. Uh, this was a story. Now, this was a while back, and it was about a neighbor uh, who – they're in the south, and this neighbor uh, was very sweet. People saw her, you know, as being respectful, uh, but she was very patriotic and uh, and also very proud of the this, this southern heritage. So she put a Confederate flag on her property. It didn't wasn't on anybody else's property, wasn't damaging property, um, but she was very proud of her, you know, of the Southern heritage. But figuratively, that was a real boundary crosser for many people who were in the neighborhood because of how they interpreted the flag. Her perception was this was a symbol of heritage and our history, uh, and so for her, she you know wanted to honor that. However, you know you know whatever the history was, uh, but for those who were in that uh, community for a long time, they thought the Confederate flag represented slavery and lynching and Ku Klux Klan and all the bad things uh, that happened many 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 years ago, uh, and so they had the flag itself had different meanings um she was not one that felt uh that she was racist or that she was in her mind going in that direction but she she felt of that flag and other things that she had she had you know the the u.s flag in there and the bald eagle so she's very patriotic and uh, and so for her this was just part of the heritage and so that's what it meant to her uh, but now this whole community was a uh, pretty close commit community was now in a lot of turmoil um you know because she uh because she had this up there, so it was a figurative boundary she didn't you know do any damage or whatever but the it, physical damage for for most it re- represented something so much more so they thought she was being very insensitive, so that would be an example I would think of a figurative boundary. Absolutely, and I think that's actually one of the examples where it could get really contentious very quickly, depending on how the individual who engages with her handles the situation, how they approach the neighbor, as I think that would be a situation where you would really want to focus on using eye language and kind of um, focusing on those eye messages such as, you know, I'm finding this difficult that this flag is being displayed in your yard because it would be one of those things where maybe you could have a learning conversation. And then I also think in situations like that too, it's really important to manage yourself. So to make sure that when you have that conversation, you're open, uh, you're relaxed, you're kind of non-threatening. So the situation doesn't escalate. It's really you just want to go over there and kind of share what your experience is with the flag and hopefully um, maybe something you can come to some type of arrangement that works for both of you in displaying the flag. But I definitely think in a situation like that it can get contentious really quickly if it's not handled in a very delicate manner for both parties. Yeah, and very quickly, I, I want to underscore something you just said, which is where it can't escalate very quickly because some of these things escalate exponentially 
out of control. Uh, and so uh, we're going to come back in just a moment, listeners. Uh, you're tuned in to the Texas Conflict Coach Radio Program. It is our live monthly conflict chat where we invite you to call us at 347-324-3591 and get your answers to your questions uh, about the conflict you experience in your everyday life. And we also have the conflict chat room open, or you can tweet us at TX Conflict Coach with our hashtag Conflict Chat. So important about you know these ten. First of all, to recognize off the bat sensitivity and how you handle uh, tensions, um, you know, is going to be important because you know things can escalate very quickly, and when they do escalate, especially in a very destructive manner. The idea that you'll ever return back to the friendly kind of neighborly relationship you had prior to that is going to be damaged and uh, and it's going to be less likely that it will ever return to that type of relationship. And you have to remember what the consequences are for any reaction uh, or destructive, you know, retaliation or anything of that nature. You, you got to think through those things. So. How can we typically address early tensions with our neighbors? Um, I mean, so let's think through, you know, for me, living in a cul-de-sac for 10, 11 years now, we've gotten pretty intimate with five households, and then we have a couple of households on either end um, that enter the cul-de-sac, so we know those folks as well. And um, and there's all the typical things where the early tensions, right now we're dealing with a tension where our neighbor's like, you're flooding my yard, the sprinkler's going on for 26 minutes. <laughs> now we're like, now she's standing out there watching the clock, timing it, and it's 26 minutes. <laughs> and we're very respectful, and we listen, and we say, can you tell us, you know, what the concern is? Well, I'm afraid you're going to, you know, you're going to flood out my grass, and it's going to kill my grass, because we both have this share common area where the grass doesn't grow very well and so we said well we'll adjust our sprinklers if it's really going off 26 minutes we'll adjust them to different ways so we've been very responsive uh, not reactive um, but and yes and <laughs> and she <laughs> will continue to complain and so we're like okay look we could escalate this we could just say stop your complaining uh we could say oh man she just she's just you know an old old person who complains all the time I mean, we could say all these things but we're like well what good is that going to do we're living together essentially in this small knit area and so i have to be very thoughtful intentional and uh, in, in terms of how I'm going to respond uh, uh, to her request or to our requests of her. So noticing what those early tensions are, I think it's going to be really important. Um, and, and listen beyond the complaint is what I would tell people is there's always a request behind a complaint. So if you can listen and then ask a question about what's behind it. So don't just listen to the complaint. You're flooding my grass and, uh, you know, and, and you just got your sprinklers on for too long. It's going on for 26 minutes and you're flooding my grass. Okay, so what is she really saying? So I'm, I, if I really don't understand what she's saying, I'm going to say, what's the biggest concern 
neighbor, and uh, and then she'll probably tell me, well, my grass is going to die. Okay, so her real request is, is she's putting lots of money into her yard, and she keeps replacing her grass, and it's going to, you know, die. So part of it is, what is the request behind the complaint? What is the request behind the complaint? So that's one thing. What about you? How have you typically addressed early tensions? Well, it's similar to kind of what you've just shared. Some of the big takeaways that I took from what you shared with the listeners tonight was kind of depersonalize. So you want to make sure that you're not you're not contributing the person with the problem. So you're thinking strategically and you're trying to stay focused on your goals. And the goal is you want to be able to live in some type of harmony with her because she is your neighbor. And so you're kind of future-oriented when you're dealing with her and trying to be uh, attentive and trying to use some openness but also trying to explore and – and trying to get to really what the meat of it is. And I think those are really helpful because sometimes I've found people when it comes to conflict, they don't really know what they want. And if you give them a chance to kind of continue to verbalize it, they eventually get there as you continue to tweak and you have these conversations. So I think it's really helpful that you're listening carefully and that you're being to attentive and you're also being strategic about the situation that you're in and hopefully during all of these steps that you're taking she will start to realize you know um, these are some of the things that I could be taking uh, for us to be able to move forward yes absolutely so your intention now but does that mean every time we do all of these strategies we're being intentional we're listening we're connecting we're being relaxed we're not attacking we're listening for the request behind the client we can do all of those things well and still have a very reactionary retaliatory type of complaint and a perfect example and these are some extremes um, one of the series on television I've been watching on the investigative discovery channel it's the ID channel I don't know if you've ever seen it um, but it's mm-hmm. called uh, fear thy neighbor have you have you heard of that series or watched that series at all I have I've seen a couple episodes and it's kind of horrifying <laughs> It, it is not just kind of, it is horrifying to see how these true, these are true stories of how these neighbor conflicts escalate out of control and very quickly. Sometimes it feels quickly, but really it is over a period of time. And, and a lot of these examples in the Fear Thy Neighbor, and we even had the Neighbors from Hell, um, uh, Bob from 2020 was actually one of our guests, I think it was last year, and uh, he ran the, the Neighbors from Hell series uh, on 2020 to even share some of his stories. So hopefully, listeners, you can listen to one of those past episodes. But in the Fear Thy Neighbor, you know, it's interesting. I've watched a number of those episodes where it starts off really well. People are connecting. They're bonding. um, They're building relationships. They're, you know, everything seems to be going well. They seem to have the same values or some commonalities. But one little bitty tension occurs. One little bitty tension occurs. And and here's a perfect example. One episode I watched 
where uh, they're kind of in the woods in the mountainous area of California. And uh, the one couple who've been there years um, just has a very natural habitat. So in other words, you know, they, they, they don't have a prim and proper lawn. I mean, they're in the woods, so they've got lots of leaves and weeds. And, and it's not necessarily a trash dump, but it's a very natural preserve and type of environment, whereas this other gentleman who recently moves in, he's a he's a, a doctor a type, he's retired, but everything is in, in his mind is prim and proper, everything has its place, exactly has its place. Well, they had a lot of a shared property line. It got to the point where he valued, um, you know, cleanliness, orderliness, follow the rules, uh, very strict in that black and white way, whereas the others were like laissez-faire and it's, oh, no big deal. Uh, that type of lifestyles clashed greatly. And even though they initially started to talk to each other about that, he would, you know, the doctor might come up and say, hey, Tracy, you know, that, that looks a little trashy over there. You think you can clean it up? Right, and then you're like trashy. What do you mean trashy? It's always been like this, you know. And before you know it, we start to use words that, or or or, or you should do this. You should tear that old termite-ridden shed down. That was on another episode with Monkey in the Middle. You know, you should just tear that shed down. It's full of termites, and we're gonna get. It's gonna bring rats and 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 snakes into our neighbor's yards, and so you need to tear that down and get that eyesight eyesore out of the way right and all of a sudden you're feeling defensive because I'm now attacking you and those situations then become people then start to get retaliatory and it just escalates and then before you know it the police are involved or the city's involved setting violations and it just escalates and escalates and escalates until someone is either murdered or they're forced to move or they're in court all the time there's all kinds of things but there's been some pretty horrific uh, examples where people are killed uh, just over something that's just so silly that you're like why weren't you able to talk about it so I think one of the things that makes it so tricky when it comes to neighbors is the is the fact that you don't really get away from your neighbors, right? Your neighbors are always there. You go to work, you come home, your neighbors are there. You leave in the morning, your neighbors are there. So you never really get away from your neighbors to get that space to kind of manage your emotions and just kind of like breathe and kind of take a walk before you have that conversation. Uh, usually, you know, it's you come home from work, you've had a long day, and it's like, oh, that trash pile is there. I need to address that now. And maybe if you just went inside, you sat down, you watched some TV, and kind of um, a calmer space before engaging in that conversation, because it's hard to be tentative. It's hard to ask questions like, what if, or it seems like, or perhaps um, – something could be done with that pile over there or I wonder if or even using language like I'm confused about so it could be maybe it isn't trash to them so you could say I'm confused about that pile over there what is it maybe that's a way that you open that conversation so they don't get defensive and then they can say you know those are logs from 25 years ago that my daughter cut down when she was you know, and so then you learn about what that pile that you thought was trash is, 
and um, they've been able to share with you something important to them so you can kind of have some common ground. But I think it's tricky when your neighbors are always there, that pile of trash is always going to be there in your mind. So until you kind of get into a space where you can have that conversation, uh, it's not going to go away. Well, here's the thing. There are going to be situations, listeners, where you can do all the things that Liz, uh, Tracy and I are talking about. You can have these conversations. You can try to get more curious. And, but it might not change a thing, and that's the reality. And, and, and we saw that in several examples, you know, mm-hmm. in the Fear Thy Neighbor uh, episodes or things that you see uh, online on, you know, news reports. You can still do all of those things, do your effort in doing those things, but the thing about it is sometimes those things aren't going to change. You're not going to have control over whether they comply. You can certainly make a request. So the key then becomes what do you do when it starts to irritate you and rub you not just the wrong way, but it, it you know, like hounds your every waking moment. Uh, and that's where things go awry because at this point you're like um, – you know, I can't stand X, Y, and Z. I can't stand all the, uh, the, you know, they have 50 dogs back there and, you know, and the, the smell of all their, you know, poop and everything else is, is too much to bear. I can't stand it. Uh, I've talked to them about it. Um, and what happens is that some people decide to take it upon themselves to retaliate. So one of the things in terms of, you know, not allowing this to escalate in a destructive manner is think about what the consequences are of your retaliatory behaviors. If you decide, okay, I'm going to, I mean, you've heard everything, horror stories from I'm going to poison the dogs to, you know, think that's Mm -hmm. going to cause damage to the other. You don't want to be causing damage because then you'll just be as culpable as they are. At that point, if you've done all the preventative steps and you've done some intermediary steps and they're still not working but it is causing a negative impact on you, what are other things you can do? Um, So one, think through what the consequences of retaliatory behaviors is going to cause damage to them. Um, Two, think about is there another entity that you can go to to have these conversations we we've talked about community mediation before it's a common place where neighbors and tenants will go to uh, talk through the concerns and the complaints Uh, so if you think there is any possibility of a conversation with a third-party neutral to help facilitate that that might be another um, the other thing is that you do have, you know, you do have legal recourse on some of these things. So certainly you can find out what are the city city codes. Are there violations to the homeowners association? You can certainly go that route, especially if you tried in, in a very intentional way to work through these things. But what you don't want to do is escalate it to where you will get hurt or the other parties will get hurt. What are other preventative or other steps that would be constructive steps in your mind? You used to work in a court system. I don't know if you dealt with homeowner stuff, but what are other constructive steps that people can take if they they see that the conflict is evident, uh, but we don't want it to further escalate? 
there's a lot of things that people can do. They can contact their, so if it's a zoning issue, uh, they can contact their city um, utilities and kind of figure out what rules and regulations they have. Uh, they can go to court and see what their options are, maybe contact legal aid and kind of talk through some of the issues that they're having. I know that there's some rent courts, landlord-tenant courts uh, that are available out there. So there's all different sorts of resources that are available to people, and most of them are free. Uh, and I definitely think that when it comes to conflicts, where you've done everything you possibly can to keep it from escalating and it still just isn't working, it's very important to kind of seek out additional resources so you can get some help because sometimes it does take that person outside of the conflict to intervene to make it a little bit smoother for all the parties that are involved. And one of the things when it comes to court is there's kind of a stigma. People don't want to go to the courthouse. They don't want to take time off. They don't want to spend money to file court fees. So I think the option that you mentioned, Patty, of having a community mediation center that's in your area and contacting them, seeing if they would be able to bring the parties together to have a conversation is helpful. But for counties, because in Florida, there are no community mediation centers. So for people who live in states that don't have community mediation centers, I definitely think seeing what other options out there, whether it's contacting your zoning authority or contacting the courthouse or just dialing 611 or 411 to kind of see what your options are is really important so you can stay safe and for the safety of the other parties involved. Uh, absolutely, and I think there's a tendency for those who are conflict avoiders, right, for those who are just like, I don't want to stir the pot, I'm not going to do anything. Sometimes that lack of action, especially if it's going on and on and your emotional thermometer is getting hotter and hotter and hotter until you just one day blow and that's where you then become the person at fault because you've now done something that was retaliatory, destructive, or damaging to the other. You're going to not be seen as the victim in this. You're going to be seen as the instigator. So sometimes you have to also you know, choose when is it time to take a step back and let things calm down. When is it a time to... And, you know, um, you know, so that would be avoiding it. It would be very strategic. When would it be a time that you're like, I can't stand this anymore, but I don't want to get the legal involved, but yet you let that emotional thermometer just get to boiling? Uh, that's really, really dangerous. And so that's where those supports you're talking about, Tracy, that, and a lot of free supports that are out there, even just getting guidance and advice. You don't necessarily have to file, you know, a small claims, uh, you know, suit or anything, but certainly educate yourself about what your rights are um, and what, you know, what you can do. Um, but, the, but the emphasis is, is early intervention. Don't let this linger for months and years, you know, where it becomes just absolutely destroying the families uh, and certainly to death because we've seen many, many cases uh, of that uh, over time. Um, any other last final closing thoughts as we close our program tonight? I would say that the most important takeaway for me from just having this conversation is to be strategic and really do think about 
the impact of your actions on your future being next to that neighbor and what your options are, regardless of what you choose to do. But just kind of keep your future focus in mind. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. And I, I'm going to be very thinking very strategically as our neighbors start to move out what I can be strategic about in terms of being a good neighbor instead of letting the anxiety and fear of the unknown, like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, you know, whoever comes in to play in the new neighborhood, what could be my role as well as the existing neighbor uh, to extend that being approachable, um, you know, and doing that. So um, thank you, Tracy, for having this conversation with me tonight. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in and engaging with us on Twitter tonight. Uh, and in our other social networks, we appreciate the comments that you uh, submitted. Um, so in our in our closing tonight, uh, listeners, we have over 325 podcasts, all there free to help you with strategies to looking at managing and resolving your everyday conflict situations. Just simply visit our website at texasconflictcoach.com to access our entire podcast library. You can also listen on our YouTube channel, Texas Conflict Coach, or follow us on Twitter at TX Conflict Coach. So we encourage you to embrace conflict courageously and address it constructively. So until next time, until next time, Tracy. Till next time. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Texas Conflict Coach. We hope you've enjoyed the program. You can find over 300 podcasts archived to listen at your own convenience at texasconflictcoach.com or download the podcast at iTunes or Stitcher Radio. To learn about upcoming radio programs and resources, sign up for our monthly e-newsletter.